Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. If you've been listening for a while, welcome back. If you're new to the show, I'm your host, Fiona. My passion for sport really started when I was a competitive swimmer. This led me to study sport development at university whilst also working within the sporting industry. I'm a huge believer in sport being used as a tool for good. Each week, I'll bring you an episode with someone involved in the sporting world. It could be your local high school teacher or your childhood or current sporting hero. The difference is that it's not your typical type of questions. We talk about the highs and lows in their journey through sport, but also what they've learned from it and how it's made them who they are today. There's also a strong focus on how being involved in sport can impact the community. If you haven't already, make sure you hit follow wherever you're listening so you don't miss the drop of each new episode. If you're after some bonus content, then you can check out our Instagram or Facebook page at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this episode, our guest, Speedway race car driver from Western Australia, Laura Burns, shares her journey in motorsport. Not only is Laura an absolute delight to speak to, she passionately advocates for participation in motorsport. Laura shares the message that it doesn't matter your age, gender, height or weight, motorsport and race car driving is an incredible sport to be involved in. In this episode, Laura is generous with sharing the lessons she's learned along the way and how motorsport has shaped the person she is today. As always, you can find links to any of the things discussed in this episode in the show notes and behind the scenes content on our Instagram page at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. Let's get into the chat with Laura. Laura, can you tell us about your sport and how you got into it? Um, I'm not from a speedway background. I've never competed or anyone in my family's competed in anything like this before. I literally was a spectator. And um, I heard over the PA one day that you could be 10 to start racing and thought, I want to be a race car driver. And <laughs> it's still a moment my dad and I laugh about. Because, yeah, now I'm in my dream division of, of late models, which is a, a V8 engine. Um, the car is about five metres wide and oh, I think 2.7 metres long. So um, it's it's really hectic for someone so petite. So I'm not even five foot. <laughs> so it's quite funny or is that it doesn't matter your size height gender or your background um there is a place for everyone in motorsport and if you do want to start competing um there's definitely lots of us out there that are able to point you in the right direction so it's very very good and very exciting yeah I love that so you said you got into it 10 was when you said that you could start racing what was that like starting like because I could imagine like 10 you've never even driven a car before that's right. Uh, I actually, I have fond memories of um, uh, like, I think I was maybe five or six and like, you know, dad would put me on his lap while we were going down the back lane to, to t- sort of, you know, give me a taster and how to drive. And I'd be like, no, but the steering wheel knows what to do itself because obviously like it's hitting bumps and stuff and moving. But um, yeah, so that, that wasn't uh, my, <laughs> my um, greatest driving experience. Yeah, so it, I started sort of learning how to drive properly when I was 10 and, and that was learning um, how to drive a manual as well, so so the gears, which, you know, is complicated enough when you're learning how to drive for your licence, let alone at 10 years old. So, 
yeah, we just used the fire breaks. So I, I grew up in a country town called Kalgoorlie and um, we got to use the fire breaks around town um, as a way to learn how to drive. So I was quite lucky in that aspect that um, I was from the country and, and we do have a lot of space where, yeah, you're, you're able to, to get a, like a bush bash car out and stuff like that and, and have a go. But yeah, it was pretty pretty um, bad we had at the time we had a um, Toyota troop carrier as our uh, manual car so I was like sitting on a bag of fertilizer couldn't quite reach the pedals and like was yeah doing the gears so it was it was an adventure and um, I was relieved by the time we got my actual race car because that could be set up to to suit me Uh, yeah I've always been uh, quite quite short so it was good to be able to um you know get blocks on the pedals <laughs> and stuff like that so I could reach and and see over the over the dash for the steering wheel but you know I picked it up fairly quickly in the end and yeah eventually got to my first race meeting of uh, a few months later and you know thought I'd get out there and be able to 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 win you know it's really easy to sit on the sidelines in motorsport and think oh I could do a fast <laughs> lap with that but no, um, I got lapped, I think, probably three or four times. Um, but you couldn't wipe the smile off my face. I was just so happy that I was able to to do something like this, you know, drive a race car at 11 years old. And um, for me, motorsport as well is is something where it doesn't matter, like I said before, your, your size, height, weight, gender. You know, once you're in the car, you're the same size as everyone else. And that's something that still resonates with me today in, in the type of car that I race with, how big it is. Um, and, yeah, the the varying um, abilities and ages of the people that I race against and heights you know <laughs> some people I would look at hello how are you like they're, they're like double my height um, but yeah the, the car is very much a, a leveling um, aspect within the sport and I think that's what makes it so good yeah um, and it's, it's special because it means that you can do it no matter you know what your height gender age is like you can be racing a 50 year old man and it doesn't matter that's it. Yes. Some of the people I race against have been racing longer than I've been alive, which I think is is quite special. But equally at the same time, a lot of them um, are really open to mentoring that next generation coming through. So I'm thankful that, um, you know, our division and, and Speedway is so open. And I guess motorsport in, in general, I've um, I found that out more recently. So, yeah, it's it's good to be part of. And I'm, I'm glad that I've got such a supportive environment around me. And you said you started quite young. Was there any other sports that you played like growing up? Yeah, so I was, um, I did dancing from a young age. So that's, I'd always been in that. And I guess too, you know, that added the competition element as well that, um, yeah, the <laughs> dance concerts can go, get quite fierce. Um, but I actually was really keen on basketball for a period there. I, I remember, um, yeah, year three was where I kind of hit a turning point and was like, why am I never like getting picked for games, but I'm always able to do like the practices and stuff. And yeah, it kind of clicked that, Hey, yeah. Um, you know, when you are getting to the pointy end of fields, your height and things like that do matter in some sports. And that was a bit of a driving force for me to focus more on activities where, yeah, these things didn't matter. And, you know, I've been on, on a motorbike since I could walk kind of thing. So that's sort of where that love of anything fast came from. And then, yeah, finding out you, you could race cars quite young, I was like, yep, this is what I want to do and really haven't stopped ever since. So, oh, yeah. That's incredible. And it's awesome that you, like, can pin it back to, you know, that age and go, okay, well, maybe this sport isn't for me, but this doesn't have the barriers, so let's go towards that. A hundred percent. Yeah. And um, I think it's quite surprising sometimes like looking back in how 
just one aspect can change your whole life because I often think back to you know hearing that PA announcement my, my dad didn't hear it and if I had missed it I wouldn't have jumped into the sport at that moment and would I have jumped into the sport at all I, I don't know so I think it's it's so special things like that that have a, a, a pivotal effect on your life and can change your whole direction in a moment and I just think that's it's so special that for me that was my opening into the sport and I guess too that's why I try so hard um, to help that next generation come through particularly if they are from a non-racing background because it's really easy to you know stand back as a fan and think oh my gosh like these are race car drivers this is awesome but yeah, if you want to make that step into into the driving seat you have to start talking to people you have to yeah get get the inside scoop of what you need where to buy like safety gear where to get a really good car and things like that so yeah it's it's good to be a part of it all yeah and you do a lot of the work on your car yourself don't you I do yeah so um that was one of the the big reasons why I started um a separate Instagram to my racing page so I've got Laura Burns Motorsport and so through there I've been able to showcase a lot of that behind the scenes um I think some people are still shocked that I work on the car myself but I'm kind of like we you know firstly we are a small team but also I really want to Mm. um as a driver I think it's so important that you do know what goes into your car and that you know, you're able to help out where you can because if you do have some sort of failure on the track or something doesn't feel quite right, you're able to think, okay, no, we checked that, so it's probably something else or, yeah, be able to pass just feedback into the team of how the car was handling. So to me, it's sort of that full circle that you you, you kind of need to know a little bit of everything um, and that's what helps the, the team work and, and ultimately me and the car go as well as it can. So, yeah. And I, I love that aspect that it's the team and I don't know much about motorsport but I have watched every episode of Drive to Survive on Netflix I know know it's a different division yeah (laughs) but there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that they do so like say a race night because it's usually a night isn't it yeah yeah so I race at night yeah yeah um a race night like how much prep goes into getting your car ready to race for that night Probably more than what people think, yeah. Um, so we, you know, the, the race day is only one aspect and we get there quite early in the day to make sure that we've done our final checks on the car and that everything's fine in that regard. Um, but, you know, that that still takes a, a few hours and um, I, I always, <laughs> it's quite selfish, but I do like to be sort of left in peace at that time um, because that's sort of my checks on the car. Um, and once, you know, the crowds come in and everything, then I can sort of switch in and, be more talkative to people because I know that the car is safe and the, and the crew are, are happy with it. But, um, I mean, so our peak season runs from um, October to about May and we might be doing two race meetings a month up to every weekend. Um, the best is when it's just two a month because it will be one weekend of prep and then one race, weekend of prep, race and continuous that whole time. But, you know, even just cleaning the car itself generally takes about three hours um, because you need to make sure there's absolutely no mud or clay left on the car because it's, it's corrosive. And I, I think, yeah, people don't sort of realise all that. And obviously, if you have to do repairs, if it's not just general maintenance, that's a few more hours. And yeah, in peak season, generally, I'll be in the shed maybe um, three or four nights a week um, after work. And then the whole weekend in the shed or at the racetrack. So it is a lot, it's a big commitment. I've missed a, a lot of 
our birthdays and celebrations because of the shed. But um, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's a commitment uh, that I've made and um, part of performing at the level that I do now. And yeah, I'm just thankful that I was able to have the experience I did in juniors and all the advice and, and help and guidance from people along the way as well to get me to this point. So, oh. That's so lovely. But, you know, you've put in the hard yards yourself as well. And like you have made, I don't want to call it a sacrifice, they made the choice to, you know, miss out on some other things that life have to offer to put it into your sport, which is fantastic. Like I came from a swimming background and it's also very time consuming. And growing up, I did the same thing. I had to make choices. I don't like to call them sacrifices, but I made choices. You know, I didn't go to schoolies when I turned 18 and finished high school because I was like, no, I want to train. (laughs) Yeah. So like, yeah, good on you for the commitment towards your sport. Like, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think, um, I think some people think that, yeah, a lot of sports are sort of just like, oh, you turn up and, and you go, or for us, it's you turn up and you race. But yeah, there's, there's a lot behind the scenes and a lot that we have to do. And even, um, I guess, aside from the the physical maintenance of the car, you know, for me, I need to be making sure that I'm, um, you know, fit and, and able to compete. I haven't been going to the gym as often uh, at the moment. I'm on a bit of a break while we fix the car. Um, but, you know, I have to be race ready when I'm in, in peak season. And, um, yeah, that's a lot of strength training. Um, that's a lot of, um, you know, nutrition plans and making sure that what I'm eating on the day and days before and after um, is sufficient for, for the energy that's that's using that times. And even just like, uh, you know, the social media aspects and things like that, you know, making sure that we're promoting our sponsors right and as per our um, our contracts, mm-hmm. um, but also, you know, giving thanks where it's needed, interacting with, you know, people that are invested in us. And that takes a lot of time as well. So I, I get told off every now and then from my family, like, you're spending too much time on social media. I'm like, I'm working. This is work. <laughs> so it's it's funny. I, I was talking to someone the other day about the rise of social media for, for sport. And I think that's where the game's changed for a lot of us, particularly coming from amateur ranks into um, into higher levels is that's a, it's a wonderful opportunity to create networks, interact with fans, and also a touch point for potential sponsors. Because especially for us in motorsport, it's all about funding. Um, mm-hmm. That's what what gets you to the next race. That's what gets you to the next level. So um, it's an absolutely fantastic level that you know it, it doesn't matter what your budget is anymore for marketing. Anyone can create a Facebook. Anyone can create an Instagram. And it's just yeah, what what time investment you have on there and learning the algorithm as they say um, <laughs> so yeah it's 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 excellent I think and you can see it in a lot of sports not just motorsport of, of how um, social networks have been able to help promote them and particularly I think women in sport as well so it's quite an exceptional time I think I think so and it's interesting that you've brought it up because I've even noticed with the podcast like starting this social media I'm really a nobody in the world of sport but like the people that you know you're able to contact or get in touch with through the different networks and you're like oh my gosh like this is incredible and how much if you share the same message how much everyone's willing to jump on board which I've loved as well like I didn't mean for this podcast to you know promote more women in sport but it's kind of naturally has and I guess that's because I'm a female and they're you know seeing I guess I could consider myself sports media but they're seeing a female out there in the sports media role going yeah like I'll I'll jump on your podcast. I want to share my message. And it's not 
I don't know, the message of the typical Channel 9 news or whatever it is, news. Yeah. It's, you know, the fluffy side, what, you know, what have you learned from it? And yeah, everything like that, which is really awesome. And I love that the opportunities are out there for like athletes to, you know, bridge the gap or get some sponsorship, get some help. Yeah, I love it. And you're 100% on the mark there. I think too, um, I know for me and and when I like choose what, what um, I guess opportunities like this I jump on, if, if there's a female involved as well, hell yeah, I want to support that because it's also supporting their journey. And I think not just, you know, women in motorsport, but women in sport in general, we're all really standing up for each other at the moment, which yeah. I think is brilliant. And we're creating this really strong network. And I just think, you know, if you're a young athlete coming into this now, that's brilliant. This is the best time to be starting in sport, no matter what what area you're from. And even if it's not as an athlete, you know, if it is the media side, if you're wanting to come in as an official or um, some sort of volunteer role or mentor coach, you name it, this is the perfect opportunity because that network is is so strong and yeah, it's just what a time to be alive. I think it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, like, has there been any like significant milestones in your particular journey, either like wins, losses, or injuries that have you know kind of defined where you are now, or have helped you know shape where you are now? Yeah, that's that's a really good um, a good question. There's yeah, definitely lots of what I like to call um, crossroads that are sort of, de- yeah, defining moments that you, you think back on, you know, I could have gone this way, could have gone that way. Um, in terms of, well, I don't want to say negative ones. I think everything's a lesson and it pushes you in, in the direction that you want to go. But a big one for me was um, 2011 and I had um, a rollover during the very last uh, Australian junior sedan title that I was a part of. It happened during the practice sessions and there wasn't anything that I had done particularly wrong for it to roll. Um, the track looked fine and, you know, I, I was on, on the peak of, of my racing level. There was no reason for this accident to have occurred. There wasn't a, a break in the car, um, but it was it was a really hard one and it knocked my confidence a fair bit. Um, and I'm one of those kinds of people that reflect on um accidents quite a fair bit to understand the ins and outs um, of yeah what went wrong and how can we do better next time but yeah this didn't really have anything that I could improve on it was just a freak accident I guess Um, but that really you know it shook my confidence I I did finish the season in juniors but then I took about um, I was meant to take a year off I wanted to take a full year and then decide what to do after that but couldn't last I only (laughs) lasted 10 months and I was back in the driving seat but I think something like that needed to happen for me to sort of take time out again for myself you know that that enabled me to finish um high school as well without without racing but it also then helped fuel that fire build that fire back up in me that no I want to be a race car driver this is what I want to do this is what I love doing um and I'm I'm prepared to to do that so that that was probably one of the biggest ones for me and I I still feel awful so it was in um Murray Bridge and we had to cross the Nullarbor and I was so upset at myself. I didn't talk the whole drive back. That was two days. <laughs> so I still, I still get a bit of um, crap from my family and friends about that. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, sometimes you just need a, you're just sad. <laughs> so that was one of those things. But I think in terms of like, well, a, a definite um, 
crossroad point was making the decision to jump into late models. I'd sort of been thinking about it a fair bit in 2015 and um, we sort of did the math and all sorts, but couldn't quite commit um, at that stage just due to um, bits and pieces that were happening in my life. And um, thought, you know, maybe one day I will, um, but one day I might not. Um, so we focused on building a, another car in production sedans, which was a FG Falcon. But in doing the maths for that, we realised that the cost to, to build that, which would be, you know, one of the highest performing cars in that division, we could get an entry level car in late models. And I thought, stuff it, we need to do this. So we saved up some more money and um, we, we bought our, our first car and that was... Um, a couple of years ago now, so I just finished my second season in late models, but it was the best decision I think we've ever made. Um, again, it's it's a lot more sacrifice than other divisions because it's not something that you can you can sort of pause racing and then come back to. Um, you really need to be on your A game the whole season, and particularly for me, so new, um, I need to get as much experience and learnings as possible. Um, but I have no regrets. I have loved every minute of this journey, even even the crashes, even though they're faster and harder and more awful. Um, that's the risk you take. And yeah, that's, I don't want to say that's why we do what we do, but it's it's the risk we take and the reward of, of, of win uh, just beats everything. It's the best feeling in the world. So, <laughs> Oh gosh, it's funny you mentioned the uh, crash. So I've not crashed my car, but my, someone ran into the back of my, just everyday car um, when yeah. I was 20 and I remember shaking you know going to get into another car afterwards what's it like like how do you get back on the horse or get back in the car to so to speak uh, after a, a big crash that's a really good question because it it you, you do still find you can get a bit shaken from things um, I know particularly after that crash I mentioned um, in junior sedans I was I was a bit shaken because I didn't know why it happened and I didn't then necessarily have the trust with my car again that it was it's going to do what I wanted to do um, I haven't really felt that way in a while I think it's more now for me just if I'm out of the seat for some time I feel a bit rusty and so I need to get my confidence back up um, that yeah the car is going to do what it's got to do and just me you know doing a couple of practice laps that yep okay now I remember how how these things turn um, yeah for us um, I had someone ask me about fear recently of you know how like are you scared racing mm. and are you scared of the idea of crashing and um, I hadn't really thought about it before but I'm honestly not which I think is crazy <laughs> but I, I'm not and I, I think you you, you can't be, I don't think, um, you know, I'm always, I, I won't lie, I'm, I'm scared and I'm nervous before I go out onto the track. And it's just that fear of the unknown that I don't know what's going to happen. And I'll be sitting in my, in my seat shaking because I'm, I'm so nervous. But as soon as I get onto the track and, you know, the lights go out that we're ready to go, that all fades away. I'm not, I'm not nervous anymore. I'm fired up and it's just, I'm here to do a job and I'm, I'm at one with the car and, and, you know, we're going 150 kilometres down the straight before we chuck it in sideways in a corner and I'm still not scared. <laughs> I'm just I'm just so focused on what I have to do. But I think, though, I mean, I've been in a, in a road crash as well and I was I, I think that was scarier than being in a in a race crash. And I, I find that the racetrack is easier than regular roads because, you know, not only do you, you feel a bit more confident because you're fully kitted up, you've got your helmet on, you've got a Hans device, which is what they have in Formula One, and you've got a flame-proof suit on, but you also 
have that trust of the other drivers around you that you know these guys have been racing for some time they know who i am i know who they are um they get we're going to respect each other but roads you don't know that you don't know if someone's yeah just dreaming away or asleep or whatever so yeah i, I respect that yeah it is scary <laughs> jumping back in after a road crash but yeah for me on the racetrack i can't afford to be scared or anything yeah well you can't really have that hesitation or that fear in you when you're going 150 kilometers an hour yeah. <laughs> that's it and even like um you know you, you're always watching what's going on in front of you and then like two lots of cars in front of you as well as thinking about what's behind you everything is just instinct and I think that's what um some people don't realize is it, it does take a while to be um a good driver and that's why you know, starting out young is where you get the benefits because then, you know, you can progress into senior ranks and you've already built up this really strong skill base. But it's just instinct. You know, half the time you don't even think. You're just like, that car's going that way, I have to go that way. Or this is a crash, I need a break, I need to, yeah, take action. And I like to call that the zone and that's where there isn't any fear, it's just focus. And I, I love it, just that feeling and the adrenaline. That I want to <laughs> race now. <laughs> it's very good. If you could go back and relive a moment in your sporting journey, what would it be and why? Oh, that's hard, isn't it? There's a few points that I really, really enjoyed. Um, I know for me, when I started out in production sedans, again, I think all the moments that I really like is where I didn't expect anything to happen and something did. Um, one, of, one of the things I say to myself sometimes um, is expectations are resentments waiting to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a big fan of, you know, what happens in life is, is just it. Um, yes, you, you do control your destiny, but you have to flow with what's happening. And, you know, if you don't get an opportunity or, you know, you don't get that win, it wasn't your time yet. You've got to wait for the next time. And yeah, so there's, I know when I started out in, um, in productions, I didn't expect anything of my first year in the sport, but um, I picked up um, the track championship of the, of the Perth Motorplex and I was the first female to, to take that championship, which was really special um, for production sedans and just everything kind of flowed on from there. I got quite a few scholarships through, I got one through my university, University of Western Australia for a sports scholarship, um, was named a Speedway Australia Rising Star and also picked up a Elaine Beachley Aim for the Stars scholarship. So it's like all the stars aligned and it was just a, a great way to jump back into the sport after having a break and really gave me that, I guess, assurance that what I'm doing is right. I am on the right track, pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> and that, yeah, you know, I, I do have a place in the sport because it is, it is really easy to start doubting yourself. And I think that's not only a sporting thing. I think that's in life as well, that you kind of get a little bit of um, imposter syndrome and you're kind of like, am I as good as I think I am? Or is it people tell me, or like, am I just like, am I missing something? So it is really good getting that external validation of, no, I like bloody hell, you're doing a great job. And yeah, that confidence that when you go back on the track, you're like, no, I know what I'm doing. I've done this so many times and um, yeah, go out there and, and you kick butt again. And it's, it's very good. <laughs> and it's awesome that you've brought a positive one that you'd like to relive because you know, the, the stars aligning, it doesn't happen often in sport, but when it does no. or in life either, I guess, but like yeah. when it does, you're like, Oh yes. Like, all the hard yards that I've put in have been not worth it, but like there's a reason to why I was doing that and it is yeah. the right path. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And I mean, even even the devastations in the sport, like I, I, I remember um, 
for one of the titles I was going to do in production sedans. Again, I felt like this this was going to be my title and we got a, a flat tire on the way down and, and that was really difficult to, to change just with how the tire had crumbled. Um, I then got some damage in one of my heats and we didn't think we were going to make it out again. But we did, we, we missed a heat and, you know, worked all night to get it together again. And then I was in a, a really quite bad crash. You know, my, my nickname, I guess, is, is the Fearless 4 or Fearless 44 now. And that's from riding the high line. It used to be not many people would, would race so high and the consequence of racing so high is, is the fence. And this particular lap, I, I, I got a tap and, you know, that's just racing. We make contact sometimes, but the tap sent me into the fence and catastrophic damage. And I was, I was devastated. I knew that that was the end of our our championship but at the same time I know that the lesson that I got from that was um, incredible resilience and the um, I guess the power of, of teamwork I <laughs> it's very embarrassing but I do remember running off the track and I was I was crying and I was like where's my dad and they're like he's over here so <laughs> but it's just like you know it that's at the end of the day that's that's the important thing your family and your team cars can be fixed cars can be replaced and yeah at the end of the day that's that to me is what mattered that you know I still I had a car that I could fix you know I'm there with my my dad and my crew and um we got to try again the next time and we we did okay I didn't win it but um first female which is something (laughs) yeah that's incredible that I just got goosebumps with that and like the thing about the team and like that's what's important and it is because the car can be fixed at the end of the day it's the effort and the relationships that you put into your sport as well that's that's important and you know sometimes when things go wrong I'm the exact same like where's mom yeah (laughs) get mom (laughs) like where's my mom or where's my dog where's my partner yeah yeah that's it sometimes all you need is a good hug (laughs) exactly exactly yeah so other than the incredible resilience that uh, that moment taught you, what other benefits that sport has provided you as an individual that's like transferred over to everyday Laura? I don't think at all I would be the person I am today if it wasn't for sport and motorsport. Like I mentioned, you know, if I hadn't heard that PA announcement, I might not have ever raced cars. And I know for me, motorsport has enabled me to bring out more of my personality I'm quite a shy well I was quite a shy and reserved kid and I I wouldn't I definitely wouldn't jump on something like this but it's been an outlet for me to be more confident in who I am and you know as you get older you do become more confident in yourself Um, but yeah I think that resilience just with you know the everyday challenges that life you know throw your way but I think too sometimes you know there'll be something trivial that pops up and I'll be like oh I can't do this and I'm like I'm a race car driver. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's that that fear. And I guess the other part of staying fearless, it's not so much um, not having fear or the absence of fear. It's having that fear or having that, you know, being scared of trying something new and doing it anyway. That, you know, we're only here once. You may as well give it a shot. If you fail, oh, well, at least you gave it a go. And that's better than, than you know, getting 10 years down the track and being like, I wish I just tried that or I wish I gave that a go. Or, yeah, I just think there's there's no failures. The failure is not having tried. Mm, and that's an interesting thing about fears because we all do feel it in, like, every aspect of our life. Like, yeah. I know recently I quit a job without having a new job to go to and everyone's like oh my god you're so brave yeah yeah everyone's like you're so brave you're so brave and I'm like um yeah but like I just had to do it 
Yep. Like I couldn't not do this. I had to wait for my stars to align. I knew they were they were close. So I was like, oh, well, I just got to take a leap and let's go yeah. for it. And I think that's the beauty sometimes as well is you might not have everything planned, but, you know, yeah, you literally have to take a leap of faith and, and hope that what's next um, is going to be right. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in if you're putting positive, um, you know, vibes out into the universe, it's going to repay you. And I know that, you know, it sounds a bit <laughs> fluffy and whatnot, but I just think if, if you're being a positive energy, positive energy is going to radiate back to you. Um, if you're, you know, sitting at home thinking, oh, why doesn't this happen to me? Or, you know, I only get bad things. A lot of it can just be outlook. You know, I, I could very easily look at my motorsport journey and think, well, I've, you know, not been good enough. I've had all these crashes. This has happened. That's happened. But you can't. It's it's your outlook. And I'm I'm stoked with everything that's happened, good or bad. It's made me who I am. And it's it's made me the person I am today. And I'm proud of me. <laughs> I'm happy with who I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I hope as well, like with my journey, um, I, all I wanted to do was to be like the girl that I would have wanted to look up to when I was starting in racing. And I feel like I'm, you know, I can still improve, but I feel like that, yeah, if, if little me was in the crowds, I'd grab her and be like, you jump in the car, see how you feel. So, and I do that for any time. Um, young guests come and have a look at the car as well always open for a chat and think that you know that they were me and that's fantastic and I think it's very special like you're still not new to the sport but you're still so young and to be able to give that experience to someone who's you know maybe 5 10 15 years younger like isn't that something special like when they can look up to you and go I want to be like you yeah I think that's what it's all about I don't I don't necessarily want people to say that they yeah want to want to be like me or anything, but if if someone is you know looking for a mentor and can see aspects of what they want to be in myself or, or any of the other races out there, that's that's brilliant. We've done our jobs right then. Because um, yeah, I think for me, it, yeah, I love racing, but at the end of the day, there's so much more to it. There's the family aspects and there's the helping that next generation come through. And I think in my heart, that's honestly why I like racing so much is the fact that you know, my journey might inspire some young girl in the crowds just as I was to pick up racing. I love it. Speaking of the younger generations and sharing that wisdom, is there a lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd like to share? I think, again, kind of comes back to what I wish I knew when I was younger. And it would, again, probably just be have confidence in yourself. Um, Because I think it's really, really easy as a young person you know, you, I'll be frank, you're going through puberty, you're trying to find out your place in the world, you know, school's telling you what do you want to be when you grow up and then, you know, you, you're playing a sport in the background and, um, yeah, for me it was motorsport and I think if I had had a bit more confidence in myself and, you know, my, my ability and what I was doing, I think it would have opened a lot more do- doors earlier. So that's probably the biggest thing I would say is just have more confidence in yourself even if you feel like, you're not at the level that you think you are, just bluff it. Um, You know, there's nothing that can go wrong if you're still a nice person about it. Um, (laughs) And I think too, you know, with um, with the rise of social media that we have nowadays, it's a perfect opportunity to, you know, showcase yourself more. Like even um, when I started the Laura Burns Motorsport page um, a couple of years back when I started in Late Models, I was still so nervous putting myself out there in that way. I was like, oh, you know, but I already have the racing page. What if this is like too much? Or what if people don't care if what goes on behind the scenes or that I'm working on my car? But reality was that was the the best thing I ever did. And, you know, we always stress about 
like low followers and things like that of oh you know am I not good enough then but followers the amount of followers you have doesn't matter it's mm. it what matters is are they engaged and do they actually care about you and I know with my support base that I have in motorsport now um, particularly through the Laura Burns pages is amazing um the amount of messages and comments I get of, of people that are actually caring about you know how I'm doing and you know for this how I'm coping um after the crash and um even some people telling me they saw me on the telly over the weekend at the supercars um like that's great and I, I, that's not why I, I I did it I just wanted to share a little bit more of that journey but the fact that 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 risk that I took in um you know believing hmm, maybe this might help someone it, it paid off and mm. it's helped uh -huh. open the doors to this amazing support network like I've got um, friends now over in like the UK, America, Canada, that all race and we've all got this fantastic little community online that, well, it's not little actually, it's it's big. Um, and if you want to join it as well, you're welcome to. Like it's just, it's all these really, you know, strong sporting girls that are all supportive of each other. And that's just, it's amazing time to be a woman in sport at the moment, I reckon. It's, yeah, I wish young me could have been a part of it. And so that's why, yeah, if you're a young girl out there, you're not sure what you're doing message one of us we're always more than willing to help because we were you one day <laughs> and that's the thing like I think a lot of us forget or not a lot of us forget or we don't see another person's starting zone we just see that they're established and that you know they've you know they're successful they've got whatever this many followers or they're winning this many races you don't see all the hard yards they put in or where they started from or you know you crying off the track going where's my dad yeah. after a crash or like yeah. me like sometimes I'll cry and I'll be like I I don't have an episode for this week and I, I wasn't able to line it up or you know or who wants to listen to my podcast like this is this is crazy like things like that like people don't see the behind yeah. the scenes and the, the tough stuff but yeah like believing in yourself and having the confidence to do that and go well you know what I'm just going to do it anyway like who who cares if it affects one person and it helps one person then then I've made a difference. I've made the, you know, the outcome that I set out for. That's it. That's, that's what I reckon it is at the end of the day. And, you know, with, with social media, there's of course pros and cons. Um, you know, a lot of what is on some social media is like, you know, completely photoshopped and faked and staged and all sorts. And, you know, I won't lie. Some of my photos are staged as well. Like in terms of like, you know, need to make sure everything's and proper but you know the nitty-gritty is is not staged that's me under a car covered in grease and muck because it's it's not beautiful out there like I can't wear a full face of makeup <laughs> you know on race days even like it's just it doesn't work and um I think it's important that we're still real about those aspects which is what I'm proud of with what I put on there that you know a career in in motorsport or career in um uh, you know the mechanics of, of cars in general it's not glamorous <laughs> and it's just never going to be but yeah if it helps someone or if it like sparks someone's curiosity of whoa this is what happens or this is how it works and I've done my job I'm happy <laughs> well I love following your page and I think it's nice to see even just as a female like that someone can work on their own car or someone can be interested like growing up I guess I wasn't exposed much to that aspect of things and that side of things wasn't really exposed to many sports <laughs> to be honest but yeah like being able to see that you can do that kind of stuff and you can race cars Crazy. like there's no gender barriers down there and it's you know I just love that you're promoting that as well yeah because I think um I think you know depending on what kind of school you go to and things like that 
trades aren't really um, promoted. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like a lot of the time it's um, seen as the, the better things, you know, to go to uni, get a degree and then, you know, get a, a white collar job and things like that. But um, I know for, for me and, and my story, I, I didn't think about a trade at all. But if I could go back now, I think I definitely would. I have so much fun working on the car and part of that as well as I get to hang out with my dad um, <laughs> and cause a bit of a ruckus. But I do really enjoy it. There's something calming about, um, yeah, getting getting to be on the tools and, um, you know, you're not stuck on a screen all day on the, on the computer. But, yeah, I think cars are something universal. Pretty much all of us are driving a car or have exposure to a car. So, yeah, if me working on, on my cars can show that, yeah, like you, you can do that. You can change a tyre. That's fine. And it's okay to ask questions about it because I, I even ask so many questions about my car. I don't know what half the stuff does sometimes. <laughs> or like I'll find a new tool and I'll be like, what does this do? So it's all, all just learning. And um, I know that there's quite a few more programs out now for, you know, regular car maintenance dedicated to women. And so, yeah, us girls can then be in an environment where it's okay to ask a bazillion trillion questions and have that confidence in changing a tire or changing your oil or checking your oil, even, you know, just filling up your wiper blades or uh, the water for your wiper blades or, or how to change wiper blades. Um, I won't lie, I only found out how to change wiper blades this year. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, they're, they're things that school doesn't doesn't teach you. And unless you, you go out and find that info, it, it's, it's difficult. Even things, you know, like motorbike riding. I know that I don't have many friends that, that ride motorbikes, but that's where my, my journey kind of started. I've had a bike since I was five, but um, I don't I don't go out and ride, um, not just because I'm time poor, but because I, I don't have a group of girls to go riding with. And, and so there are also barriers to participation in things that, yeah, if your friends aren't doing it, it's difficult to, to continue, I think. Mm, and that's like, I think it's something that is changing, especially with, Yes, the social media side of things because it's breaking down those barriers and you can see people, you, they might not be in your town or in your area, they might be across the country, but you're like, oh, well, yeah. she's doing it, so why can't I? And I think that's the thing, like if you can see it, you can believe that you can be it. A hundred percent. It's it's that visibility of, of anything. We're really changing the game across all sports, I think. I know going semi-off topic, but um, the women's football, when that's on here in um, Fremantle, that's a packed stadium. And I know I know it's free entry and things like that, but that, that doesn't matter. If you weren't interested in it, you wouldn't go. And the mm. fact that they can draw such a crowd is in, incredible. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so proud of that, that, that that's able to be at that level already in, in with that season. So yeah, yeah, and it's still, like, in its infancy, like women's AFL, compare it to where the men started, like, back in the day yeah like people compare it to the men's now and you're like no you're comparing something that's had all these generations of changes and effort and input into it to something that's in its like first 10 years like you can't even do that like that's not it's not comparable like yes it is because it's the same technically sport but like compare it to the men's in like the 60s and see where we're at yeah (laughs) I think people forget about that a lot across the board with women in sport in general like 
um, I, I can't remember the exact years, but when you when you look back through the history at elite level sports, um, like the Olympics, you know, women weren't allowed to start competing until um, more recently. And even worse than that is the Commonwealth Games, like um, women's weightlifting only came in, I think, within the last 20 years. And when you think about how long those kinds of events have been around, it's it's incredible that it's only recently that we've started getting, I guess it is, it's equality. And now we're fighting for equity, I guess, really, that, yeah, that we're, you know, getting the same exposure, getting up to those same levels. Um, I know there's there's quite a few discussions about pay for, for sports where, where they're getting paid. And, yeah, it's it's a time to be alive, I reckon. Everything's, everything's changing and, and it's for the better. Mm, and I think it's exciting for us. Like, we might not have experienced it as a kid, as in, like, all the doors wide open, but we're in that generation where we're like, well, no, because we can see the change that's happened since we were a child, but we can help drive it further, I guess, like, or, like, drive it towards the direction it needs to go. And I think that's what I'm most excited about. I'm like, well, yeah, I've maybe missed out on opportunities because yeah. I wasn't in that era, but like my kids or my kids' kids, they're not going to miss out on that. And I'm going to make sure that they get equal pay if they're playing a professional sport. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. I like to think of it as, you know, um, usually, we, well, not usually, but in the past, you know, we'd kind of walk up to the door, realise the door's locked and leave it. But now we're kicking down that door <laughs> where it's, no, <laughs> it's our time as well. And um, I think that's so special that, yeah, we're, we're able to actually get a lot of these changes. Um, a lot of opportunities are opening up and, you know, we're level levelling that playing field across all sports. So I think it's, yeah, absolutely brilliant time. And I can't wait, like you said, for, for what's ahead for the future. I hope one day I've got some some little tackers jumping into the sport as well, and I'm excited to see that. Yeah, if, if what, what heights that next gen can reach as well. Um, I think the world's definitely going to be the next gen's oyster. So yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Now speaking of, have you been involved in a project or you know an event where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community? Yeah, I've been in um, been in a few now, and I think that's, that's sort of the benefits of sport. It's a kind of a way to bring people together. Um, I'm really lucky to be an ambassador for the Miracle Babies Foundation, which is um, Australia's leading foundation supporting premature and sick newborns. Um, I was actually born nine weeks prem, um, and I was told that I was lucky to be a girl because girls are fighters, um, and that's something that's sort of, you know, resonated with me across everything I've done because um, I was only given a small chance to, to survive due to how, how prem I was at the time. Thankfully, no issues. I'm just small in stature, but <laughs> big in spirit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Miracle Babies has been a great, um, great way for me, you know, because pe- people do comment. They're like, wow, you are really small. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm a premature birth. And um, this is just something that can can happen, I guess, with being born so early um, because we are born really small. And I'm able to direct them to the Miracle Babies Foundation for if they are wanting some more information. But also for families that might not know about the support that they offer, they do a lot of work behind the scenes because, you know, having a baby in itself, I've heard, is... <laughs> I don't have kids. Um, is is really you know it's it's a traumatic process like you you for a, a woman like it, you're going through so many changes and you are you are making a human that's so special but then 
when that gets put in jeopardy um, that, you know, you, you, you can't go to full term or there's some issues and, um, you know, need to go to NICU, then that's just, it's awful. You, you don't necessarily plan for that. And that was the case with my family. So I like to, yeah, use um, my racing and my story as a form of advocacy to bring more awareness to Miracle Babies um, that, yeah, there is support networks out there and, um they, they do support groups as well for premature babies so they can all come together in a really safe environment. It's um, really special. So that's really great. And um, I'm also tied up with Blue Steel. So for May, um, they've got uh, pink and purple boots um, where $10 from every purchase goes to Breast Cancer Foundation, um, which is also something quite close to home for me I, I lost my um, absolutely beautiful aunt last year due to breast cancer and um, so something like this is a great way to to give back and um, I will rock my pink boots for as long as I can until <laughs> until they're no longer pink and I have to get another pair so that's that's something as well that's really great um, you know I'm always in the shed always always kicking around with my steel caps on so it's a great way to show that support as well and are we able to potentially pop like the links to that in the show notes? Like if I find them and send them or you send them to me, if and I pop them in the show notes. So if people want to find out any more about those two organizations, they can find out the info. Yeah, they sure can. I can pass that on. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Because I think, you know, having, it's just the advocacy of showing that these are these organizations and they're doing amazing things to help families go through traumatic times. Like, yeah unfortunately like no one can predict health like we would want yes. to but yeah no one can predict these things and when they do come it's usually very unexpected and it kind yeah. of leaves the family in like a, a wave of shock afterwards and if there's support out there then I think you know the more people that know about it the better yeah I think you've hit the nail on the head there that's that's it it's all about the support and um I think it's quite easy not to sort of realize what's out there until you're in a bit of a pickle and, and need that info so yeah they're they're two that are quite close to home home for me and um yeah I'm always happy to help out with those kinds of things where I can it's important yeah well that's fantastic and speaking of we touched on it a little bit before but where do you see the future of sport it's obviously very bright for the young females out there yeah I look I think that you know, we're, we're really close to, to some breakthroughs in a lot of sport. I think motorsport, we probably still have a fair bit to go in terms of getting like equal numbers across, across the divisions. Um, and I, I think a lot of that's going to come from, you know, the advocacy, getting more sponsorships out there um, and, and training, um, you know, with, with anything like this or anything to do with sport, it all starts in the grassroots. If you're getting young talent and young women coming through those ranks, you're going to have more um, talent up the pointy end. But um, for motorsport, we're, we're not really seeing that. We're not getting, um, you know, actually we, we do have um, quite good numbers in the junior ranks, but then they're not continuing onwards. So it's kind of like, how do we retain people at that level? What are the issues that they're actually facing for staying within the sport? Because, um, you know, not only is sort of 17, 18, a life-changing moment, um, but also, you know, you're finishing school, you're, you know, you can go to the pub now, um, you know, you might be relationships, you might be looking at getting your first house. So priorities do kind of shift. And I know I definitely thought, you know, do I still want to do this sport? Do I still want to play? 
so yeah it's even even re-engaging with people after they're left how how do we do that and how do we get them back up to the level that we need them to be at to compete at these higher levels so um I think that's probably going to be the core focus within motorsport for the next few years and then maybe one day we'll, we'll get someone in Formula One from Australia as a female yes oh one day God. are you volunteering yourself <laughs> I mean I could <laughs> I think that there's a bit of a divide um, at times between us on dirt and the bitumen races, but after, and I, I'm a strong fan of um, dirt. I always think dirt's better, but after going to the supercars this weekend, so I was in a, I was an official there and um, got to work in pit lane. I might think that bitumen is also very good and I would be, I, I dig it. I like it. It's very nice. <laughs> I want to have a go. <laughs> well, the future is bright for you. <laughs> but that's yeah it's really exciting and it's awesome to see that you know where the future is going and it is going bright and but like you said it does start in the grassroots but it's also how you transition and I don't know why but the stats are it's for most sports it's actually the girls will drop off around 16 17 18 and they're the ones that are likely not to pick it back up which is really interesting and like I guess maybe that's going to change with our generation or the generation after us but like yeah getting people and re-engaging them into a sport and even like what you said before with the motocross and like being able to go out and ride a bike with some friends like why why are females not doing that anymore yeah 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 because you you know you think about high school as well and I know I was definitely one of those girls that you know didn't want to play sports sort of once I hit like 14 15 I was just like no I'm sick (laughs) but it's like you know we need to have a bit of a culture change of like okay well why don't girls like playing sport anymore what what is it um and how do we re or how do we engage people at that level because obviously school was the easiest part and then yeah how do we keep girls interested how do we get them into um you know after school sport and then on to elite more elite sports so it's yeah it's definitely a dialogue that's that's more than just one sport it's kind of we all need to work together I think and that might be a challenge in itself with how many how many areas we've got to support but um yeah we're all heading in that right direction and I um like I said before there's a really strong strong network now of um females in in elite level sport and we're all willing to help everyone out so yeah if you if you are wanting to re-enter and not sure where to start and um you know you've seen someone that is just send them a message um they'll point you in the right direction even if they can't give you that that info themselves so it's good it is good and it it's like you said before like it's really nice to see how many females are giving that information out and being like not just hiding it to themselves just being like oh yeah like you want to do this here 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 and they're just like pouring the information out and there's none of that competitive oh I don't want you to know because you might take my spot like I have not seen any of that in so long and like I guess like being in high school god coming up like 10 years ago um, (laughs) like there was that competitive side between the females and so maybe sport is not the arena that has that I don't I don't really know like it's just very interesting yeah Yeah. no I I think yeah if there could be some studies on that at some point I think that would be like rad um as yeah sort of like a a generational thing maybe you follow some people like for 10 years or something to see yeah what I don't want to say what the consumer choice is, but it's kind of like, yeah, what, what happens to people? Why do they opt out of sport or how do they find their way back in? Um, mm. 
be cool. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> Are we volunteering to do that? Who do we need? Do we need yeah, a psychologist? Like, <laughs> study here. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm going to keep your name on the list uh, if, yeah. I, if I do find someone who wants to do that study. Yeah. Um, oh, brilliant. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been an absolute ray of sunshine and, you know, sharing your sport, which is not so common in my world, has been really awesome. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure. and I love sharing my journey and, yeah, the hope that it might inspire someone else to, to jump into, into motorsport or sport in general. I'm not being biased now, but <laughs> motorsport's better. <laughs> motorsport on the dirt. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yep. 18. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again. No worries at all. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. This is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals, but also your everyday lover of sport. If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.